That's what we're learning. It's what's going on. Oh, they gave me a second microphone here just in case I need it. Who, who knows? want to talk to you today a little bit about uh, different things and different people and melting some different things together. i got a couple of graphics I'd like to start and show up with. Give me that first graphic up there, sis. What is uh, that uh, a vegetarian and a meat lover have in common? Just a question to ponder, to think about. i, I got another graphic up here. What does a Chevy lover and a Ford lover have in common? Nothing. Gotcha. I don't know if that's a Chevy lover or a Ford lover, you know? David, David, what does a Pittsburgh Steelers fan and a Browns fan have in common? Your, your, your players are playing and ours are not this week. Yeah, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Union and non-union. Ooh, what do they got in common? You know, you, you guys understand this phrase, you know, the, America is called the melting pot, you know, the melting pot of all these different people and personalities and people that have come from other countries legally, I might say to you. Uh, my wife's mom and dad came from Slovenia legally and have been a tremendous blessing. Uh, they, they, they started a business. Uh, they, they did it all the right way. They um, hired people, paid people. My, my mom's father uh, came from Italy. He came, I believe, through Ellis Island. Uh, they shortened his name. I think his name was like Cuccolini or something like that. They made it C-O-O-K, Cook, you know. And then they melted together, and uh, he was productive. That's this whole picture, and where that comes from, uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I know a lot of different melting pots that I like. I like soup, everybody. That's how I got the graphic up there, right? You, you love that soup, you know, that all the different fixings and all the makings, whatever it is that comes together. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, they don't never taste it. And don't. I like lentil soup. Uh, about a month ago, somebody made me lentil soup. I hadn't had it in probably 10, 12 years. Now, to a lot of people, lentils are this dry bean that tastes like cardboard. I'm a cardboard lover. I chew on cardboard. It's a great thing. You know, it's that whole thought process of what melts together and what comes together, you know. And, and the one thing that makes America, I think, one of the leaders in, great in, in the world is the people that come, but they all come, according as best I can tell, to two documents. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. They're coming and they believe in that. And when you have something like a soup, you normally have a soup recipe. You have a document, if it's okay if I say it that way, you have a document, something that you follow. But one of the things about soup is, is you need water if you're going to really make it work, and you're going to need heat, right? You don't just take the ingredients of soup and throw it in a pan and turn the heat on, you'll scald everything. And you can't just take the, uh, everything, the, uh, your chicken noodle soup and everything, and throw it in the water without adding heat. You, you just, it'll just be hard vegetables and uncooked beef. In the top of your notes, I have the water and the heat. That uncomfortable heat that has to come oftentimes. You know, you can't just throw everything together. And every church that I know of has to have the water and the heat. They've they got to have the water come, which Jesus will show us today. And they got to have, I've started three churches, you know. Oh, the first year is wonderful. Everybody's happy. They're doing something brand new. And then the heat comes. Whatever difficulty, whatever problem, whatever discontentment comes, but you got to have it because you got to get through it. It's what blends the congregation and the church together. In John, the 13th chapter, I want to talk to you today about Jesus bringing the water and the heat. He brought the water to wash their feet, to cleanse them. 
And he brought the heat in the fact that Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? You're going to wash my feet too? This is uncomfortable. We thought that you were somebody greater than that. The question is, is, do we think we're somebody greater than who we really are? John, the 13th chapter, number one in your notes, the church melts together as we practice what Jesus practiced. Now, everybody likes to practice the fun things of Jesus. People like to practice, you know, let's, let's perform the miracles of Jesus. Let's drive out the demons like Jesus does. Let's, let's have healings. And I, can, I believe in all of that. But here is the practice that is a foundation that comes before and is more important than all of that. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand? I believe I have that underlined for you. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. And the word understand, I'll do this in each of the references today, I have defined as to learn, to know. Do you understand? Do you know? Have you gotten it yet, folks? What is it about going on three years? Jesus is trying to reprogram their thinking, their way of life. Two or three different times, he's trying to let them know, folks, if you're going to be in my church, if you're going to be leaders in my church, you're not going to go around having people sit like the Gentiles do. You're going to become a servant. The words of John the Baptist ring in my head constantly as a pastor. I must become less, and you must become greater. Almost always I'm thinking or praying it during worship. That's the whole process here, you know. Jesus comes along and teaches these, these tough, tough teachings, and you wonder, how long will it take us to get it? It's three years on down the road for them, and they're having a hard time getting it. We have a hard time loving our enemy. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Doing good to them, praying for them. We have a hard time when Jesus says, you know, don't worry about food and shelter and clothing. You seek the kingdom of heaven first. Heavenly. Don't worry about that stuff until you lose a job. You know, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. And folks, Christians remain single individual seeds if we want to stay alive and not die to self. Here comes Jesus, and he wants us to put into practice what he's practicing, and it's really nice, it's really cute to wear a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? And today we'll answer the question, what would Jesus do in a situation when he's in a group, when he's in a congregation, what makes a congregation melt together? The practices of Jesus, one of which we're looking at today. Jesus brings the water and the heat, and he knows that this is going to melt us together. I love the different opportunities and different things that go on at the church. You know, when uh, we've done a couple funerals, and we have somebody sick, and somebody, whatever it might be, and the people that call me to say, what can I do to help? washing somebody else's feet. They do it joyfully. It's where their gifts are. What can we do? How can we help? That's what it's all about. People were here early this morning. They were prepping. They were doing, getting ready for ministry. They made sure the heat's on. They made sure the children's ministry. They made sure worship is here for us to help and to melt us together. I think that we understand what Jesus did. I really do. It isn't the physical washing of the feet, though. That's okay. But this is a servant's attitude. The question is, now that I know, will I practice it? Will I practice it? Lifehouse will need to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, and we can only be that church if we practice serving each other, thinking of each other as better than ourselves. Number two, 
The church melts together as we imitate Jesus' actions, right? <laughs> Not too many things I remember as, as a young kid, five, six years old, but I remember watching my dad shave. I have no idea why I was so intrigued with my dad shaving, but I'd stand there watching him in the mirror, boom, 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 and then I got a shaving kit, five years old. You know, give that kid a razor. Yeah, give him something sharp. Put it on his neck. No, my parents got me a little shaving kit, and it had everything, had that little shave candle in there. You, you unscrew it and it opened up. You drop a cardboard razor blade in the thing, put it back up. The only thing that was the same as me and my dad was the shaving cream. But I, I was wanting to imitate my dad. Jesus comes along in verse 13 and says, Hey guys, am I your dad? Am I your teacher? Am I your rabbi? Am I your Lord? Look at verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord. It doesn't matter of what you're calling me. And rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, emphasize the same wording again, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. That's the word we'll look at. That you should do as I have done for you. The word example is of the thing to be imitated. I have set an example of something for you to imitate. The washing of somebody else's feet. It's not about you washing your own feet. Now I hope you do. This is not about me washing my feet. This is about me washing your feet. It's not about doing what it is that I want to do and what is self-gratifying, with self-serving. It's what it is for you. It's what it is that I see in you. And when those people call me, when there's a ministry, whatever it is, they're concerned about somebody else. And you have learned it. And it's what melts the church together. You know, uh, imitation of Jesus Christ, it, it kind of draws out the worst and the best picture, doesn't it? The feet are the lowest part of the body, carrying probably a little too much weight right here. But in that day, you know, they, they walked around and... You know, they, they didn't have socks and shoes and stuff like that, whatever they had, sandals, whatever. But, you know, shoes and socks really does not help feet from stinking. I, I might, it adds to it or something. It still stink. Here is this picture of the lowest extremity being washed and somebody having to get down as a household servant. It made the disciples uncomfortable. That's where we're supposed to live. Three years. He's trying to still teach them. He's talked to them about it. Now he's putting this action picture together by washing their feet. Evan, be careful when you call yourself a Christian because a Christian is an imitator of Jesus Christ. A follower of Jesus, an imitator of Jesus. Are you washing? Are you serving? Are you thinking about others? Because faith teaches me to follow Jesus' example even if I don't get it. Because my tendency is to ask, well, you know what? I'm not sure that person deserves my service. And I'm not sure this, and I'm not sure that. We have a tendency to say to ourselves, now, who is on the list that we don't have to wash their feet? And don't you just hate the fact that Judas was there? Don't you just hate it? I mean, he washes the feet of the person who is going to betray him. He washes the feet. And you know why he does? It's because he knows who he is. That's how we can wash the feet of people who are jerks. We know who we are, a child of the, God, of the king. You know who you are. Then you can lower yourself because the creator of the universe washed these 12 men's feet and one who was going to betray him. 
one who, who was going to turn him in. Jesus brought the water, and he brought the heat. Spontaneous ministry is uh, all of those things that happen that are unplanned in, in church, right? It's, it's, the, it's the funeral that pops up. It's the, it's the people that call and, and say, you know, hey, I need this, I need that. Pastor Evan, what, what could we possibly do? And I tell them assuredly with Lifehouse Church, assuredly whatever it is you need, this church will meet your needs. Whatever it is. All of you here today on one side of the aisle, you know, the cherry pie lovers. Oh, we're having pie today. You know, the pumpkin lovers. And then the apple ones are way down here, you know. You all be eating together, and you're all here eating because somebody said they would serve you. Whether they baked it and paid for it or went out and bought it, they thought of you. And they know how important fellowship is in our church. We're here to imitate Jesus. If we're not lowering ourselves before uh, Jesus, then he's, I would say he's not my Lord. They, he said, you're teacher and Lord. Are we, do we call him Savior and Lord and then just do whatever we want? I'll do anything but not washing their feet. Jesus gave an example. Evan, you've got to imitate his behavior. Number three, the church melts together as we serve others as Jesus served. If I was to have a little conversation with you here today, and I might not use the word status, but I would say, you know, what's your status in life? And somebody would say, well, I'm a grandpa right now. And somebody might say, I'm a grandma right now. Or somebody would say, you know, I'm retired. I'm an engineer. Somebody would say, I'm single, unattached, whatever it might be. Your status in life. Look at the verse 16 with me. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater. That's the word we'll look at. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a, ma- a, the, a messenger greater than the one who sent him. What is Jesus' status? The word greatness here truly explains who he is because the word is renowned for ability, virtue, authority, power. He's all over the place and he's got a reputation. And that's one of the most difficult things the disciples had to deal with is, you know, you're this great renowned one that, who's everybody's hating. We know who you are. Bring in this kingdom. And he says, you know, here I am, and, and my status doesn't matter. Who I am, the creator of the doesn't matter. He came as a servant sent by his father. No servant is greater than his master. He was sent. And he said, as the father has sent me, so I am sending you. Now, you have to answer the question. Please, practically, where has Jesus Christ sent you? To whom has he sent you? Where is it and who is it that he has sent you to? You know, I believe Jesus knew the pull that there is in each and every one of us to think that our status makes us special, most especially pastors. Oh, we're special, you know? You know, we got to be careful to set the example, to do the imitation, do this. We got to be careful Jesus knew this pull was inside of us to think we're something, wanting other people to recognize us, other people to uh, serve us. I, I love the idea of a secret Santa. Maria and I were watching a movie the other day. It was all about this guy, very, very wealthy guy. He was out there and he was uh, doing all these different random things with nobody knowing, with his money, with his stature, with what he had, and he wanted nobody to know because he was tired of it being commercialized and materialized. And he just said, couldn't we just have this joy of serving and loving, doing something for people and not having to worry about who gets credit for it? 
Couldn't we just get to that place where it's just like, oh. And, and what began to happen in the movie, is people always kind of want to know who it is, but there was a group of people who said, you know what? I don't really want to know who it is because if we find out who it is, then the whole feeling, the whole atmosphere, the whole change of what was beginning to happen might be taken away despite my status or your status. Jesus has sent you to someone. He has sent you somewhere. Be careful we don't start to think that we are greater than Jesus because of our status. If we all claim our status, this church will never melt together. Never. We will be fighting for sides and this side, and we carry the message of the cross, and the message of the cross makes us messengers. Set yourself free. Look for ways to serve others. After all, we're not greater than Jesus. We're not greater than the one who sent us. Jesus was the creator of the universe. Can you picture him kneeling, washing, having taken out his outer garment and having to put it back on? Maybe that was just even embarrassing to Peter and some of them. Number four, the church melts together as we are blessed by Jesus. As we are blessed by Jesus. Everybody likes to be happy. Everybody likes the reward. I get a kick sometimes out of talking to the people sometimes. It's like, I'm just serving Jesus you know, I'm just serving Jesus. I know the Bible says we get a reward, we get a crown, this, that, the other. You know, I'm not really in it for the crown or the reward. And I basically say, well, give it to me. That's awesome. I, I like rewards. I, I like gifts. I mean, send it to me. Christmas is coming up, you know. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be happy? Who a Christian here today, the word blessed, who doesn't want to be I got a question for you today. Think about this. Do you think Jesus enjoyed washing the disciples' feet? Do you think he enjoyed it? You know, as you're pondering that, the word here, know, is to know, to get knowledge of, to understand, to perceive. You know, to a lot of people that are outside Christianity, the people that don't know the Scriptures, <laughs> the, the, the country, they, they have their constitution and their declaration of independence. Secret recipes... People have them for their soup. We have the word that we go to. It's the words of Jesus. It's it's the scriptures. People who do not understand what happened in the beginning of of time with Adam and Eve, they don't understand disease. They don't understand death. They, They don't understand how bad things are happening. And they'll say things like, you know, if your God is so great, why could he let something like that happen? Because they don't understand it. We understand that why we live in the world. In the beginning, it was great. It was perfect. It was awesome. It was lovely. And then sin entered. That makes perfect sense to us today. Because through sin, all of that difficulty in this world has come. So we live in a wonderful world, wonderful things, but we understand mixed in is some junk. For somebody who doesn't believe in the Scriptures... They ask the question, where's your God now? God is incompetent is what they think. Maybe you're here today. God is incompetent. If he's all loving, all powerful, why wouldn't he stop and why wouldn't he do something about that? Not understanding that it wasn't him that caused it, it was us. Now here's the wonderful thing about Jesus' teaching today. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed 
if you wash each other's feet, if you do them. Now that you know these things, here's the amazing thing. All of us as Christians, when something happens because sin entered the world, gives us an opportunity to serve each other. Jesus takes and redeems it and says, I'm going to make you happy. You're always trying to get to the top all the way, the way the world does. You serve people who have been diseased, who have had difficulties, who have been depressed. You have, you know, we had uh, somebody in our, uh, over at the other church, and they were going through a really tough time. A couple of the guys doing our, our uh, ministry for uh, mentally uh, difficulty, they went to the house and blessed them. They went to the house and spent some time. They came to church today because they saw an opportunity to wash somebody else's feet. Jesus comes along. The world doesn't get it. They don't understand why it is, but Jesus says, every one of those problems and difficulties that all of us have are a perfect opportunity for us to melt together for me to serve you and you to serve me. He redeems it. And the world doesn't get it. And it what is what melts us together. Jesus doesn't dole out blessings according to what we think. He gives them out according to what he teaches. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. So if you're a little miserable as a Christian, just a thought here today, everybody. If you're a little bit, I don't know if this works, maybe you haven't been washing anybody's feet. Because the way to be blessed, the way to be happy, I ask you the question again, did Jesus enjoy washing the disciples' feet if he said he'd be blessed? Now, maybe I'm using the wrong word. Okay, sue me, all right? Maybe it's the word he was happy to do it. He was blessed to do it. He knew that if I could get these guys to get this, they'll make it when I'm gone. They'll get it when I'm gone. We can be a little thick-headed. I'm not going to be too tough on the disciples. Three years trying to reprogram their minds and their thinking. I ask you again, if you think Jesus enjoyed it, do you think he was blessed by it? He turns and he says, if, if you do this, you will be blessed. And every time we reach out and every time we do a ministry, every time we do something, the planning, whatever it is, it is amazing how blessed we are. It's amazing how we come back and say, that was just a wonderful thing. Now that melts the church together. Now I have in your notes added ingredients, right? If you're getting chicken noodle soup and you've got the broth going, you've got the chicken in there, you've got the heat, you've got the water, you're throwing the spices and the garlic in there, and you serve it up. If you listen, you're really not serving up chicken noodle soup because you didn't put no noodles in it. You don't have all the ingredients in it. You know, the Scripture says that every one of you is an ingredient to this church. Every one of us is an ingredient. I wonder what might be missing from the ingredient of this melting pot. From you. You adding your ingredient. On the back side of your notes, we have several different ministry opportunities and places uh, that if you might want to take a look at, we would love for you to consider that. I got to tell you this, though. <laughs> I know what good chicken noodle soup tastes like. It's what Marsha Jenks makes. <laughs> Marsha Jenks made some soup. 
She put the broth here. She put the chicken here separate, and she put the noodles here. She must have had a pound of sugar in it because I liked it. (laughs) And when somebody enjoys a good bowl of soup, they're like, mmm, mmm, mmm. And when Christians have somebody wash their feet or see them serve in some way, it's like, mmm, mmm, mmm. I have a question in your notes. You see it there? Are you living the blessed life? I'm not trying to sound like some televangelist, some prosperity theology. Are you living the blessed life? You get it by now, right? Are you living the blessed life? Are you living the life of a servant? Are you living the life where, which causes Steeler fans and Browns fans to come together? The church that comes together? The vegetarians and the, and the meat lovers and the the big box stores and the little mom and pop Jeff Joggin stores that come together. That's what the church is about. Are you living the blessed life, washing each other's feet? You know, I know that uh, we're looking to bring a pastor in here. You guys know that. That's kind of like this, okay, we get, we understand. And what's uh, so obvious to me every time I talk to a, a candidate, and we have one now, The thing that they want to know is they want to know who you are. What's the congregation like? Man, I got to tell you, I'm saying nice things. I literally say to them, it's one of the things, you know, it's not the money that they want to know about the people. They want to know about all you. And I see you constantly. We got people from different churches, different backgrounds, different sides of it, whatever, melting together. And I'd say, they have loved me beyond what I deserve. They have encouraged me, said wonderful things. Oh, they've said untrue things about me. <laughs> and I promise them, if they come, if they're the one God calls, and if their wife and their kid, I said, you're going to be loved by these people. I tell them that every time with tremendous confidence. As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper today, we're going to take the Lord's Supper understanding the one who was washing the disciples' feet. He brought the water. He brought the heat. It melted together. And we're going to go through some heat, and we have and we will. But we're going to be servants for each other. If I could ask the ushers to come forward now. All of you who could are come forward. To, um, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler guy, come forward and play the keyboard for us. <laughs> Look at how we're working together. You know, high five. Not too high, not too high. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper today. So in just a second, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to direct you to come together over here. Find somebody open so you can get this as quickly as possible and have a seat. Will you please take the bread and the juice? Will you hold it in your hand? We will take it together as we melt together, as we come together. This morning, a gentleman came up to me who's a single guy, lives by himself. In the past year, maybe just a little bit more than that, his dad passed away. Mom passed away. He came up to me today and he said, Pastor Evan, 
do you know a place I could serve dinner on Thanksgiving? Because I got nowhere to go. He wants to wash somebody's feet. The world said, why don't you just crawl up at home and just feel sorry for yourself? He's like, no, I'm going I'm to wash somebody else's feet. As you come